Proverbs 13, verse number one, amen. Look at, the Bible says, a wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. There is that that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. And there is that which maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the testimonies. God, we've already heard tonight, Lord, of just you showing yourself faithful, giving opportunity to serve you. Lord, oftentimes we pray and ask, Lord, use me. Lord, would you please use me? And we often overlook the very areas and the, the times, Lord, that you're willing to. Lord, we, we don't think they're big enough. Lord, we don't think they're important enough. We don't think that you'll notice them. But, Lord, you're the one that is lining them up. And I pray, Lord, tonight that we would, in our hearts and our minds, understand the fact that serving God doesn't have as much to do with a position and a title and a, and a certain place in the church, but Lord, it simply is our life. That's who we are. We are servants of God. And I ask you, Lord, tonight, help us to realize that in our everyday life. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you have me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit of God. Lord, I need your help. I need your touch tonight. Lord, I cannot do this by myself. I'm asking, Lord, tonight you just simply use me for your glory. Let me be an instrument in the hands of God tonight. We love you, we thank you. Take the word of God, make it real to us, make it personal to us. And Lord, deal with us tonight, Lord. And thankful, Lord, that you deal with us in love and in grace and in mercy, God. And you've given us opportunity, God, to deal with things tonight. Lord, if necessary, repent of them, God, and get those things right, Lord, and continue our fellowship, Lord, with you and our relationship with you. We ask you tonight, Lord, you just work in our hearts, Lord, and have your way tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. Tonight, we, we did it last week. We got a whole chapter in one week and one, one service. And tonight, it's not going to happen. We're going to cover nine verses. We're probably not going to we'll be in this chapter for the next few weeks uh, getting through. It's a wonderful chapter. The book of Proverbs has been wonderful. Amen. It's been helping me in my personal life, help, hopefully helping you with wisdom and uh, being godly and righteous and all those things tonight. But verse number four, we see two people that are mentioned tonight. We see one is a diligent person, verse number four, and one is a sluggard. Now, tonight, it doesn't just tell us who these two people are, and then doesn't just identify them by a label. If you go to verse number four tonight, what does it say? The soul of the sluggard hath nothing, and the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. So we don't just have these labels, but then they are tied to the soul or the inner man tonight. So preacher, what is my soul? That is the seat of your emotions. That is your passions, your desires. That is what drives the outward man. That's what's tonight. You've got fingers and you've got toes and all that wonderful stuff tonight, but they don't move themselves, right? There is something that takes place within the body and the mind that tells, hey, hand move, move this way. Eyes, look at that. Mouth, say this, right? And it, it comes from the inner man tonight. Here in Proverbs, Solomon says we're not gonna deal with necessarily the outward appearance, but we're gonna deal with the souls of 
these two kind of people or two kind of men tonight, the soul of the sluggard. Now that word sluggard isn't a word we use in our everyday vernacular. I don't know the last time you called somebody a sluggard or somebody called you a sluggard. But we do know the word lazy. That is more commonplace. That is a word that we use in our uh, modern day vocabulary. And that word sluggard carries the understanding of one who is lazy, one who has all the ability, one who has all the time, one who has all the knowledge, but just chooses not to. They procrastinate. They are lazy. And then we see the soul, the diligence. That word diligence means to be active or to be determined. And so you have to ask yourselves, which one of these am I? And a lot of times what we like to do is we like to find one area in our life where we are diligent, right? Where we are hardworking, where we are putting in effort, where we are striving and, and desiring and doing the right things. And we put that one area in our life and say, all right, I must be a diligent person. But then there's three or four different areas in our life where if we're going to be honest, we're not diligent in those areas. We're not active in those areas. You know, we, 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 it pains us to say it, but we'd have to say, preacher, I'm a little lazy in these areas. Now, I don't know how some of you men are, but it's one of the, I think one of the worst things you could call me is somebody who is lazy, right? Some, and, and something in me, right, it flare, I ain't lazy. Let me tell you everything I've done today, but can I say there were some things as I was getting this together, the Holy Spirit said, <clears throat> and I had to say, Lord, you're right about that. Lord, you, you, you're, you're right about that. I, I have not been pursuing, desiring what I, how I ought to it to the best of my ability. So preacher, how can I tell which one of these souls I am? Notice the differing results for each one. The Bible said in verse number four, the sluggeth desireth, but he doesn't have anything. Hath nothing. Oh, he has the biggest dreams. He has the greatest desires, but there's no action in his life. And when there's no action, there is no, there's no accounting. There's no receiving. There's no inheriting. There's, there's none of that. And so he has nothing. Right? All he has is hope and dreams. Now the soul of diligent, look at the Bible says in verse number four, the soul of diligent shall be made fat. Now we're not talking about pounds on the scale or size of a person tonight, but that biblical understanding there is a man who is diligent or a lady who is diligent will have an abundance or will be blessed. It will be known and seen. You look in the Old Testament, we look at men like Abraham and David and even Solomon himself. A lot of times the blessing and the favor of God was identified by men who had great means and great things. That God had blessed them. Abraham had more cattle and land than anybody else. Job had more than anybody else. And it wasn't, it wasn't the health and wealth prosperity. If you serve God, God's going to give you a thousand cattle. But wouldn't that be interesting if someone dropped by your house tomorrow and said, the Lord told me to give, a, give you a thousand cattle. <laughs> Where are you going to put them at? <laughs> right, but we see right now, a man or a, a Christian who is diligent in their, their, their relationship and diligent in their study and diligent in their prayer life and diligent in all areas of the Christian life. They may not have, they may not have everything, but they'll be able to step back and say, Here, there's some things God has given me that's evident in their life. So which one of those tonight describes you? you? You have a lot of desires, but you really don't have anything. But not only do you, or do you have desire and there's action, you can look back and there's some blessings God has brought into your life. Your desire to be diligent must be focused in purpose. And that's what you can't say tonight because I said, who in here wants to be diligent? We'd all raise our hand. Right, even if we don't want to, we'd raise our hand just to fit in. 
But it's more than just saying, I want to do that. It is putting action to my desire and putting action into my want to and saying, I want that and so I'm willing to put steps toward that into place so I can achieve what God desires for me. Preacher, I want to be known as a diligent soul, one who is active for the Lord and determined to serve. Preacher, how can I make sure to be a determined Christian? Here's what I want to preach on tonight. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. I'm going to give you three areas out of Proverbs chapter 13 where we don't need to be lazy or we should not be lazy. The first one tonight is we, we must not be lazy or do, do not be lazy in your learning. Don't be lazy in your learning. Look at verse number one. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. And we understand that tonight. That scorner is someone who is, there's the, the, you can't help them, right? You, that, that's someone whose God is going to have to change. Their attitude's messed up. Their focus is off. Their, their, their bitterness, their pride swells up in them. And, and they don't hear anything you just say. And the Bible says, hey, listen, we don't need to be lazy in our learning. You ever heard a statement that was hard? But the more you got to think about it, you said, you know what, that, that's right. As much as that, 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 that bothers me, as much as that hurts me per se, as much as that goes against the grain of my convenience in my comfortable lifestyle, boy, it's right. I remember we had a, a tent meeting out here years ago and there was a preacher here, Brother Kenny Grant from down by Savannah was preaching here and he brought a, a man with him. He, Brother Kenny's a black man, he brought a black man with him and they were, he was in the middle of preaching and he said something, that man that traveled and said, that's, that's tight, but it's right. That's tight, but it's right. And I said, that's a good saying, right? But there's some things in our Bible tonight and, and the reality is it's gonna sound hard initially, but the more you think about it and dwell on it, you're gonna say, you know what, that is right. I had a statement like that once in my life. There was, and I can't remember where it came from. I can't remember who said it to me uh, per se, but I just remember that when I heard it, I said, ooh. The more I got to think, I said, that's, that's right. Here's what he said. He said, if you are an American citizen who lives in America and enjoys the freedom of America, has all the resources that we have in America, he said, and you aren't willing to, and you don't know something about a subject or some kind of material or some kind of information, he said, it's not because you can't learn, it's because you're lazy. I said, ooh. I got to think about it. He said, it's right because we live in a generation you don't have to go down to the library no more. Right? You, don't have to go and, you don't have to memorize the Dewey Decimal System to figure out where you're supposed to go in the library. Right? You don't have to go and do, you can just simply get on your phone. Listen, there's things I fix in my house. I don't have a degree in, 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 in small appliance repair or, or small engine repair or car repair. Preacher, how'd you fix it? YouTube. YouTube, right? We, and the reality is we live in a, in, a, in a culture, in a time. I guarantee if Paul would have been alive today, as much study as he did before the invention of the internet and television and, and, and all of that wonderful stuff that we have, Paul was a man who was consumed with learning about the Lord. Here's a prime example of this, memorizing scripture. Oh, preacher, you're meddling now. What about memorizing scripture? I've heard it said, and I've probably said it myself a few times, I just can't do that. I just can't memorize scripture. I've heard it, people say, preacher, I just can't do that. Let me ask you, is it a lack of ability or is it a lack of diligence? Oh, preacher, I, I tried to memorize a verse for a whole week and at the end of the week, I still don't know what it said. Then why'd you give up? Why don't you go to the second week? 
Last time I checked, there's not a there's not a a a a a, a, a statute of limitations that you only have one week to learn one verse. Right, but it requires a lot of times it's not a lack of learning or ability. I, I just can't do that. The reality is it's probably a lack of diligence. Because a lot of times we live in a culture, once again, if we don't get it right away, then we must not be good at it and, and we must not we must not that must not be God's will for our life. Can I say the Bible still says that I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against him? Right there, there's no ability moniker there. Hide my word in my heart only if you're good at doing it. Can I say tonight, there's younger people in my church. My daughter's a great example. My wife's a great example. They are far better than me at memorizing scripture. It, it amazes me how quick they can just pick it up. We, we do our homeschool program and, and every day we, and every week we've been learning a verse and we've gone through A through F. You want to know who bumbles through it? This guy right here. I'll be adding words, taking away words and they're just looking at me like, What's, what are you doing? <laughs> and I try to spiritualize it in my mind. Well, you know, I, I preach three times a week teach Sunday school and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. I, I mean, I, I got to do all this kind of stuff. Holy Spirit said, really? You can't, really? It's, a lack, it's not a lack of ability. It's a lack of diligence. And, but we see right here that verse number one deals with an instruction and it deals with rebuke, a corrective action and lessons. A scorner isn't willing to be taught while a sluggard doesn't want to be taught. Right, a scorner isn't willing to be taught, but a, a, a sluggard doesn't want to be taught. A scorner thinks themselves above correction. The sluggard doesn't see the value of correction. Right? Oh, I, I'm not changed. Why am I going to change? I, I mean, it's just too easy. That's just too hard. I'm not going to do that. That's, that's too much effort. What you're saying is I've got the soul of a sluggard. Why not have the soul of, a, of, of, of the diligent person? But both of these... <laughs> And here's the thing, anytime you and I turn to the flesh, anytime we allow the flesh to, to rule and reign in our life, whether we like to admit it, what we're really saying is, I'm taking the easy way out. I'm taking the lazy way out. Hearing and implementing instruction, that requires diligence. Right, but it leads to improvement. A couple days ago, my mother-in-law sent up some boxes from her shed at her house. She's been cleaning out. And it had some old memorabilia, old stuff from when I was a child. It had some Miss Becky stuff in, in another one. And I was going through that, that trunk that was brought up. And I, I said, man, I ain't seen that trunk in years. And I flipped that thing open. And there's <laughs> me and my brother, we had this great idea that we was going to save every paper clipping from when the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl back in 1998. And someday it's going to be worth money. We, we, we thought we was going to be rich. We were going to retire off of it. <laughs> got to look at it and said, man, we did a terrible job of cutting this stuff out and preserving it. But then I got down to the bottom of it and, and threw it and there's a little plaque there and it's a little piece of wood and it's got a little plexiglass and it had some pictures on it. There are pictures of me at the age of five years old. They're my t-ball pictures. There I was, crooked teeth, rat tail, red hat, blue, blue shirt, I mean baseball bat. Everybody else got to take a picture with a helmet. I didn't because I couldn't have one that fit me. <laughs> And there, I mean, I was just a smiling teaser. That was the first year I ever played baseball. I played t-ball. And then I, I played all the way up until I was in the ninth grade of high school, and I played every summer. Can I say that there was a vast improvement between t-ball, Tate, and ninth grade Tate? Why, preacher? Because I had a coach every year who would take time with me, and he would teach me things. He would instruct me, put your elbow up, keep your eye on the ball. 
right? Point your glove towards where you're wanting to throw at and all, all these different things. And I began to implement those things. Now, the easy way I could have said, you know what? I got it all figured. At five years old, I don't need to learn anything. I'm pretty much the next Chipper Jones. I'm all natural. Don't need no training. I got the uncoachables. <laughs> the reality is that's not how it works. It's not how it works tonight. It takes time and it takes diligence. Progress was made by implying instruction. The same thing is true in your Christian life. Preacher, I want to grow in my Christian life. Well, you can't sidestep learning the word of God and studying the word of God and praying, and you can't sidestep all the things that you have to do or apply in your life to get there. In essence, tonight, you can't just hope yourself into a mature Christian. It takes time and applied instruction from the word of God tonight. So don't be lazy in your learning. Don't be lazy, be diligent in your learning. Are you one who's diligent in learning or are you lazy in your learning? Have you allowed yourself to believe the excuse, oh, I just can't do that. I'm dead, that my, my mind doesn't work that way. Well, the Bible says none of our minds work that way. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus tonight. It's interesting how, how the Bible's always got an answer for an excuse, doesn't it? If we're willing to look for it. Then notice number two, don't be lazy in your learning. Number two, don't be lazy in your speech. Don't be lazy in your speech tonight. Verse number two and verse number three, a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of transgressors shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth shall keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Now in the South, you know, we combine words together. We use words like y'all. I'm still not sure what two words we combine together to make ain't. Ewins. Right, we, we combine all these words and show enough. Right, we combine all these words. Preacher, why do we do that? Well, because we talk so slow in the South. If we pronounced everything in, in, in its entirety, we'd be here all day. Prove that, preacher. Go up, go up, go out west, go up north. Listen to how fast they talk. <laughs> My sister, I love her to death. She, I'm a Georgia girl. You don't sound like one. <laughs> She's been up in Nebraska too long. She was talking. I said, man, what did she just say? <laughs> Pretty sure she just auctioned something off, and I think I might have bought it. <laughs> go, 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 go. They talk so fast. <laughs> but Solomon wasn't talking about our dialect or our idioms, right? Not combining words together, but how and why we use our words. Once again, we see this lazy and diligent person on display. The sluggard and the diligent person. We see the lazy mouth that's uncontrolled and destructive. Verse number four Excuse me, verse number four, verse number three says it's wide open. But he that openeth wide his lips will have destruction. <laughs> it's wide open. What does that mean? It lacks discernment. It lacks, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not uh, discernment. It, it lacks understanding, knowing who they're speaking to, what they're speaking about. So you got to realize this tonight that God's given you two fences to your tongue, Right? It's called your teeth and your lips. Why, preacher? Because we're supposed to think before we speak. But that, that requires diligence. You, you, you can't be lazy with it. The picture is a, a lack of thought and discernment in one. <laughs> Why? Why do you call an unbridled tongue, or, or what do you call an unbridled and unguarded tongue, right? You, you call it lazy. Why? Because it takes no effort. It takes no effort tonight for you and I to let our, our tongue do what it naturally does. Right, we are naturally ingrained and naturally in our in our old man and our old in our sinful nature. Right, that that comes easy to us. Right, it takes no effort to cut somebody down. 
It takes no effort to, to be rude and ugly to someone. It takes no effort. It takes no spiritual ability to do those things. Right? That's the lazy way out. It's uncontrolled and it's destructive. But notice the diligent mouth is fruitful and safe. Look at verse number three. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. In essence, he that keeps his mouth can keep his testimony. What the Bible's saying there. How many heard, ever heard this phrase? One old man will undo ten attaboys. And that's what, you slip up one time and it's so hard to gain what, back what was lost. Right, and the reality is a lot of times when, we, when, we don't, when we're not diligent in our speech, not diligent in our thinking and our asking the Lord to guard our tongues and we get lazy on that, we'll say things that we regret. But notice here, not only what the Bible says right there in verse number three, that he openeth wide, or excuse me, he that keeps his mouth, keeps his life, so not only that he keep your testimony, but how many of you ever, ever had this thought? Boy, they better be glad I bit my tongue. Can I say not? You better be glad you bit your tongue. You better be glad you bit your tongue. Why? Because if you'd had it, you probably would have lost your testimony. You, you probably would have said something that would have scarred and had issues with it and caused a, a problem there. And so the next time you bite your tongue, don't, don't, don't be letting them know how wonderful and how, how blessed they are. Sit back and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me discernment. Thank you, Lord, for helping me bride on my tongue and be diligent in it. When we let our tongues get lazy one time, possibly undo all that has been achieved through diligence. A diligent tongue produces fruit. It encourages and it edifies. My two oldest children went to speech therapy, not at the same time, at different times. But Raylan, when she was in speech therapy, it was discovered that she had underdeveloped tongue muscles. And that's why when most of y'all knew her when she was younger, there was a lot of times she was talking and nobody was quite sure what she, she knew what she was saying, but nobody else really did. And so we get there and we discover that she has underdeveloped tongue muscles. I don't know how you discover that, but they did. And they gave her exercises and practices to do and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and she graduated and she no longer goes to speech therapy. Right, we understand what she's saying nowadays. But then because when TR was at that age that he was when Raylan was there, he picked up those same habits that were caused by her underdeveloped muscles. Now, TR didn't have underdeveloped muscles. He, he just heard, and that's what he aligned with. And I remember when we got to speech therapy and, and they, they ran whatever tests they had to run, they said, well, he doesn't have underdeveloped tongue muscles He's just picked up from hearing his sister talk. And, and I remember one day that he was standing there and, and, and the, the therapist was behind him and mouth. If he'd just practice, right? If he'd just practice, he, he'll be able to deal with those. And, and she said, you had to be you know, diligent with it. You got to do it and all those kind of things. Here's the interesting thing. Ever since Raylan's muscles developed, she hasn't gone back, right, to the way she used to talk. But every now and again, we still got to get on TR. TR, that's not how we say that word. Right, because this isn't a muscle issue, it's a mental issue. Right, it's a, it's a, it's a he's got to stay diligent at it. He's got to pick it back up in that sense. The same thing is true in our Christian life. Right, the same thing is true in our, our Christian life tonight. If, uh, desire, we've got to be diligent because really it's a mental issue with us. It's a mind issue with us. That we have to, no, Lord, I need help with this. I need help with this. And a lot of times when I think, well, the Lord helped me today, I should be good tomorrow. That's the worst lie you'll ever tell yourself. Right? You need his help every day. You need to be diligent in your speech. Now, don't be lazy in your speech. Are you diligent in your speech or are you lazy in your speech and you just let it fly? Then notice number three tonight, don't be lazy in your honesty. 
Don't be lazy in your honesty. Verse number five. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Now, I grew up thinking that George Washington never told a lie. I heard that story when I was in school that, you know, he cut down a cherry tree and his grandpa asked him and he told him the truth. That he's never told a lie. And I thought, how interesting. Now, now I look back at it as a 33-year-old man. I think, man, how interesting was it? How, how ironic was it that they were teaching us not to tell a lie through a story that wasn't even true? <laughs> right? But nowadays, I think the government hasn't been telling the truth from the beginning, so, <laughs> you know, so that doesn't surprise me anymore. But once again, we see the difference between the diligent and the lazy man concerning honesty. Right? The diligent man hates lying. That's what the Bible says right there. He hates lying. He hateth it. He doesn't even settle for even a small lie because he hates it. How many of you kids hate a vegetable? Right? What's the vegetable you hate, Jordan? Broccoli. Right? But you eat just a little, bit, little piece of broccoli? Maybe. If you, but if you knew it was broccoli? and it tastes like broccoli, even if it was a little bit, you wouldn't be excited about it, would you? No, right, because you hate it. <laughs> yeah, I was the same way growing up with peas. I wasn't going to eat 400 peas or one pea. It didn't matter. It was all disgusting. Right, but a diligent man that has that same attitude toward lying, I don't even tell a small one because I know it's not right. That's not what a Christian's supposed to do. They're not supposed to tell, or they're supposed to tell the truth. They're not supposed to lie. He's going to tell the truth. Why? It's the truth. And that's what it's supposed to do. So the diligent man hates lying, whereas the lazy is a habitual liar. Lies over and over and over again, big, small, all over the place. So much so, look what the Bible says in verse number five, he is loathsome. He is loathsome. I read that word, I didn't know what it meant. I thought I knew what it meant. I looked up, I said, man, that's interesting right there. The word literally means to stink. To stink. To, in essence, it's, it's, it is beyond, like you can't, you can't deny that it's a bad smell or a bad odor. It stinks. It is, it's putrefying. And so we see the lazy man through his lying becomes, there's a stench that comes off of his life. That fella or that lady right there, they don't tell the truth. His, his stench is unavoidable and unmistakable. Lying is always the easy way out. It's always the easy way out. Telling the truth every time requires diligence. Because I can't, I don't know how you're wired, I don't know how all that, but every now and again, it's like, man, if I, 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 could, just, I could just change it up just a little bit, right, I, I, and get out of this. But here's the thing, <laughs> telling the truth may cost you something, but it'll always please someone. Telling the truth may cost you something, but it'll always please God. Right? He delights when we're, when we're honest, when we tell the truth, but it always, it'll always cost you something. We sold, or we were that Ford Escape that started making sounds that I didn't know how to fix. And, and <laughs> somebody that came over looked at the car and said, yeah, there ain't nothing you can do about that. They said, besides, get a new one. So I, I called up the dealership, got all that stuff together, went and looked at the flex that we have now and told him I wanted to trade in my old car. And, and he said, okay, well, you'll come down here and, and, and uh, we'll talk about it. And so we're going through the paperwork. He said, now that escape, does it have any issues? Is there anything wrong with it? And I thought, man, if I tell him the truth, ain't no way they're going to give me a fair price on it. Ain't no way they're going to give me a, a good price on it because in the same, if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> I understand how it works. But he, he said, 
you know, uh, is there any issues with the escape? And I said, hey, there's a pretty big one. I said, I don't know what's wrong with it, but it sounds really, really rough. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And I kid you not, the next words out of his mouth, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I pastor a church. And I stopped and said, Lord, thank you for letting me tell the truth. Because <laughs> could you imagine that? Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, we're, we're just trading in because we need something bigger, right? We got, uh, we're thinking about, you know, bigger family and all that kind of stuff and just need something a little bit bigger. And what do you do for that? Oh, I pastor a church. There's nothing wrong with that car. <laughs> and then he was, all right, well, bring, well, you're going to take the tow truck to the house to get it. <laughs> what? I don't want to put no more miles on it, you know. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know, this, go, this, this stuff that goes through my mind sometimes. <laughs> they handed me the piece of paper that had the offer on it, and I see what they gave me for the escape, and I just laughed. I said, well, at least it ain't zero. <laughs> At least I can go home and say, you know what? I told the truth. I told the truth. It's amazing how the stories that stick out of my life about telling the truth are always the ones that cost me something. Things that <laughs> I'll never get back, but at the same time, I didn't lose my testimony. Because listen, that guy, if I'd have done that, the guy would have said, hey, y'all don't go to that church down there on 25. I think it's South Haven Baptist Church. That pastor ain't nothing but a liar. Here's the, he'd have been right. He'd have been right. It always, it always pays to tell the truth. It'll, it'll cost you sometimes, but it always please. Don't be lazy in your honesty. Are you, are you a truth teller only when it's convenient or beneficial to you? Or are you a truth teller because that's what you're supposed to be? So we see tonight that we're not to be lazy in these areas, but so preacher, why should I be diligent? Why should I be diligent? Well, verse six through nine gives us the results of diligence, right, of being diligent. Verse number six, righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. It keeps you tonight. What do you mean by it? It guards you, it preserves you, it protects you. Right? It'll, it'll keep you. Verse number seven, it'll make you rich. Look at verse number seven. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. And there is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great well, How in the world can a man be poor and have great riches? That don't make no sense, Solomon. Where's the wisdom? Oh, it makes perfect sense tonight when you keep it in context with the word of God tonight. Last time I checked, we are not working for silver and gold. We are not, we are not looking for big houses and nice things. We are, uh, the Bible doesn't say that our, our, our value comes by with what we possess, but really, you, you said, preacher, how is he rich? He has a good name. One who is diligent will have a good name. Proverbs 22, one says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And I said, I'd much rather be a Christian who misses out on the, the finer things of life but yet has a testimony as one who is diligently serving the Lord. It'll make you rich. It won't make your wallet no bigger, but it'll make you have a good name. That's far more, far more valuable than riches in your wallet tonight. Then verse number nine, it'll make you rejoice. Look at verse number nine. The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. It'll make you rejoice when you see the Lord or the light in your life working in and through your life, because you cannot be diligent in these areas by yourself. It requires you to get up every day and say, Lord, I need your help. Because Lord, if I don't have your help, I'm gonna be lazy. Lord, if you're not holding me accountable, I will become lazy. That's why when those young men and young ladies 
join up in the armed forces when they go to boot camp. Those drill instructors are nice to them for about three minutes. And then it all changes. As soon as they get off the bus, they're yelled at and all this kind of stuff. And, and all of a sudden, a lot of times, you know, they're brought in from a, a I can do whatever I want to attitude and mindset. Nobody's going to tell me what to do to the next six weeks. It is nothing but yes, drill sergeant or no drill sergeant. And the, why is that preacher? Because it's teaching them accountability. It's teaching them diligence, right? Most young people don't know, <laughs> have no idea what it's like to get up at every day at four o'clock in the morning. That's why the drill instructor's there to teach them how to do that. Most young people have no idea what it, what it means and, and how, how does one shine their boots? That's why the drill instructor's there, to make them diligent. Uniform inspections and, and marching and all, and, and you know, all the go down the line tonight, that's what the drill instructor does. And I'm thankful tonight that the Holy Ghost doesn't, doesn't, doesn't treat me like a drill instructor on Paris Island. But he does hold me accountable. He don't have to get up my face and yell at me and scream at me. All he's got to do is say a statement. I'm like, hmm, you're right, Lord. You're right about that. And at that moment, you and I have to make the choice am I going to obey God and be diligent to what he's trying to teach me or am I going to be lazy? Am I going to be lazy? <laughs> Let me ask you that. It's real simple now. Are you going to be lazy or are you going to be diligent? I'd encourage you to be diligent. Preacher, how can I be diligent? Don't be lazy tonight. Find yourself where the Lord wants you to be. Be diligent in your honesty, be diligent in your speech, and be diligent in your learning tonight because there's some results that you can only see and achieve through diligence tonight. Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you.